Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With great podcasts comes great responsibility. What's up? This is The Chief. It's another episode of In The Can, part of the Barmerner Podcast Network. We are sponsored by Blue Note Bourbon. And today we are talking Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, the awesomely creative, original, exciting, visceral, and hilarious animated spider movie. We loved it. Spoiler alert. You'll love it too. Let's talk Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse on another episode of In The Can. In your universe, there's only one Spider-Man. But there's another universe. It looks and sounds like yours, but it's not. My name's Miles Morales. Hey, kid. You're like me. How? I knew my day would come around this time. I know it's complicated. You want to know what happened to you? I can teach you to be Spider-Man. Mm, I love this burger. So delicious. Mm, one of the best burgers I've ever had. You have money, right? I'm not very liquid right now. I think you're going to be a bad teacher. Get me some pictures of Spider-Man. Okay, just really wanted to do a J. Jonah Jameson accent, even though he's not featured in this movie. What's up? This is The Chief, a.k.a. Sam. This is another episode of In the Can, part of the Barnburner Podcast Network. We're sponsored by Blue Note Bourbon, a locally distilled bourbon, distilled in Memphis by Memphians, be noteworthy Memphis. We are here, of course, to talk about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the seventh Spider-Man movie in exactly 17 years, which sounds outrageous, and it definitely is. It's an animated movie. And one thing I like to do, by the way, is whenever I'm listing things, I like to randomly at the end say, and pictures of Spider-Man on my desk. So that's one thing I like to do. And you can steal that bit. Your friends will love you and think you're hilarious if you do that. So my advice to you. But I'm here with Brett. I haven't seen him in a while, man. Brett, what have you been up to? Tell me about what you've been going uh, doing. I know you took a trip to San Francisco. You sent me a picture of Yoda's statue at Lucasfilm. Tell me more about you. What do you got going on? What's up, Danger? Uh, I have just been listening to the soundtrack to this movie on repeat since seeing it. I'm very sad and mad at myself for not having seen it months ago. 
like when it first came out because I was like, oh man, another movie for me to throw my money at that probably won't be as amazing as all the other ones. Well, I'm going to save it, but I might have been wrong to have done Ooh, that. Ooh, some, some spo- I don't know. I, I feel like things are boning well here uh, and I'm excited to, to get into it, man. But let me hit everyone with the plot so many. We are talking Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. So Miles Morales is just a mild-mannered kid, Brett, but he's about to find out that being a teenager, getting along with your dad is a lot harder when you're bitten by a radioactive spider who totally changes your life and causes you to be a mutant spider. There's multiple dimensions here, a spider pig mutant, multiple Peter Parkers, including a Peter B. Parker, origin story lampooning, exactly zero emo dancing, unless it's being made fun of, or there's no James Franco here, so sorry for you Franco fans, or Franco files, as it were. But for that matter, there's actually no real people because this is an animated movie, one that's the most wildly original I've seen in a long time. Watch out! It's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Brett, is this movie, released in 2018, an animated movie that features exactly no real people? After seven Spider-Man movies in 17 years, is this the best Spider-Man movie that we've had yet? It may be the recency factor. But I would have to say, absolutely. What? You loved it. I knew you would love this movie. Yeah, I did. I, I, oh I, man, I did. I, I, I knew it. I, I saw that, and I said, <laughs> "Well, first of all, I can't believe you didn't see it." And surely, I texted you right after I saw it. No, not a word was said to me about this movie by anyone until so I have I no friends it. left. This okay. the reason I haven't spoken to you for weeks and weeks is because you didn't tell me that I needed to see it immediately. So this is actually me clapping back at you. Okay. Uh, this is our last podcast ever this month and (laughs) i am just extremely disappointed that nobody said brett you need to see this movie right now well what did you okay so what sets this one apart from the other ones why is this such a good telling of spider-man given how many of these movies we've had uh i will say first of all i don't know that it is such a good telling I think it's just the coolest, most entertaining, best Spider-Man movie that I've ever seen. And it has the advantage of being animated. So I can't quite, I I don't know if I want to pit it against the other ones. I think it has the advantage of it told the, the origin story in a way that the other movies like, like amazing Spider-Man one kind of sucked. And I think a lot of it was origin story. You have to get through that. And Spider-Man one, was really good, but Spider-Man 2 was, like, way better. And people mm-hmm. love Spider-Man 2. It's because they didn't have to tell the origin story. They're like, oh, yeah, we did that. And that's what I think this movie does so well. So many times, you're like, hey, I'm Spider-Man. Hey, I'm Gwen Stacy. I'm Spider-Man. Hey, Miles Morales. At the end, he finally becomes Spider-Man. Like, the way they got to do that, I think they had an unfair advantage. But that makes it the greatest Spider-Man movie that's out there. Like, if I had to say to someone, oh, you've never seen Spider-Man? this is the one I would introduce them to just to, to give them that, that teaser. Yeah. And they do. It's clear that these, you mean the writers and directors are big fans of both the comic books and have seen all the movies and, and, and know them really well, like know them intimately in order to make fun of them in, in the little ways that they yeah. do that, that, you know, if you're just a casual like kid that went and saw this, wouldn't even know necessarily it's a reference, but so they're clearly well-versed in the spider verse pun intended. Uh, and, and this, so, and, and part of the reason, just another one of the many reasons that I loved it, 
they I actually caught an Easter egg as it was happening. Like <laughs> typically, typically there, and it wasn't just like a super obvious one, but uh, when Miles Morales was scrolling through his phone and the list of contacts, I was like, oh my God, I know that guy. He's a writer. Oh, he's an illustrator. Oh, like I saw the list of contacts and I was like, oh, Easter egg in my head. Cause you knew that? Yeah. I recognized them. It was super easy with Brian Michael Bendis because he's the one who created the ultimate Spider-Man storyline. But then he's the also, he's the one who broke the Avengers and recreated it. And that's like Avengers is my jam. I have all, not all, but most of my comic collection is Avengers. I have a few Spider-Man, a few Iron Man, a few Captain America, but Avengers was my thing. So Brian Michael Bendis is huge. in My Marvel journey. Uh, so as soon as I saw that, I was like, Oh, I know an Easter egg. Finally. <laughs> wow. Real feather in your cap there. Yeah, I, I, yeah. When, when I was looking at that phone, he was scrolling through. I was kept trying to figure out the apps that he had on his phone. Cause it's like, but it's like all fit. It's kind of like apps that make fun of existing apps, but instead of Snapchat. Right, right, right. So, you know, this movie is, it is, I've seen it twice now. Uh, and I, and I've been telling everyone, I, it's funny as I have been telling people to go see it. I, I somehow, I say, I don't know how that happened, but yeah, okay. um, you assumed because that I would be a better Marvel fan, but it's Sony Marvel. So right. It's questionable. It. And I'm well, forgiven for not going right away, but. I didn't so see this wrong. until it got good. I mean, until it got such good reviews. Uh, and, and then once I figured out that Lord and Miller were involved, like for some reason that escaped me during the entire advertising process, because I literally like saw this preview and I was like, that looks so stupid. And it, I thought it, it's seven Spider-Man movie in 12, in 17 years. I'm over this shit, man. Like I, I don't want to see another origin story. Like I don't care that it's animated, like whatever. But then it started getting good reviews. And so I was like, all right, fuck it. So uh, Kyle and I went and saw it, but dude, it is like, really really good i mean in, in, a, in a way that it doesn't have any business being like it i was touched more by this movie than i have been in a long time by like any movie live action or otherwise and it's the best movie i've seen this year which is kind of a i'm stepping on what i think about the awards but yeah. like dude it, it, it it's in it because it works on multiple levels it's it's a it's kind of like a pixar movie i mean it it has the the, the warmth and the depth that pixar movie is known for uh, that Pixar is known for and is able to tell two kind of parallel things. One for the kids, you know, like no doubt it's a, it's a kid's movie and it's fun and it's vibrant. And the, it looks, it looks like you're like watching the li- a live telling of a comic book come to life with the animation. But then there's real themes of stuff that I feel like anyone went through growing up. Uh, and, and it just, it really hits on those and, and tells them in a meaningful way. And damn it, you just give a shit about everyone in this movie and, and sort of what's going on. And they do a good job underscoring, all of the action and sort of this kids going through and becoming Spider-Man miles Morales with uh, the themes of parenthood and sort of like coming into your own and puberty, like Spider-Man it's always been the thing. It's like puberty and him coming into his powers are often like merged. Yeah. And so they, you know, they, they really do oh, a I good job in this that. one. I'm a high school kid going. Yeah. Through stuff. And, and you know, he's a, exactly. You can really connect with him. He's a, he's a superhero, which you could always see yourself being. He was one of my favorite superheroes growing up because he kind of, you know, he was like my age, like he wasn't like a 30 something year old rich white guy like Batman. Uh, so he was like a kid that you could identify with. He was like funny. You know, he didn't take the job of being a superhero too, too seriously, which is, you know, I, I mean, certainly something that I he, could identify with. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Like he made fun. He made crack. He made fun of all the people he was busting them. It was as he was fighting them. And that that was always cool. This movie, though, is fucking hilarious. It is really weird. And it it, 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 like, it's really weird. There's literally an animated character. There is a, uh, from another dimension, there is Penny Parker. There's an anime character in the animated universe. An anime character who, who 
has a, a mental and psychological connection with a de- with a robot that represents her dead father. So that is something that exists in a pop culture movie that a lot of kids saw. And I love the fact that that's a thing that I get to say. There is a comic book noir Spider-Man who's like channeling Humphrey Bogart voiced by Nicolas Cage. Um, unreal funny performance by Nick Cage and like sort of lampoons himself. That's, there's a lot of that. It's a lot of like self-aware. I heard this from someone. It's, it's almost like the meme culture is now catching up to creative script, right? Like, there's even, I mean, there's literally a lampooning of the two Spider-Man meme at the very end of this yeah, movie. Yeah. But, but it's like all of these characters are memes almost. It's it's like, it's so fucking bizarre, but it's so funny and so weird. And you just sort of have to like latch onto it. Now, do you think kids get the whole like multiverse thing? I mean, I think that that's, that would be pretty heavy. I can't, my only regret about this movie is that I wasn't 10 when it came out. Like, I have a feeling that they get it better than adults because... Stephen Hawking doesn't really believe in the multiverse. Like there's no proven multiverse. So if you're an adult who thinks he gets the multiverse, then you're paying attention to the wrong aspects of this movie. <laughs> it's, it's true. That's true. What, what, what is <laughs> the right aspect? About, if you're talking about like the earth six sixteen and 1610 and 20985 <laughs> or whatever, then, then no, the kids don't give it, get it. But beyond that, well, what we know is that this movie is goddamn delightful. Yeah. I mean, it, it is it is delightful with a capital D. I cannot speak more hyperbolic about it or speak um, with more superlatives. I, I, I every time I see it, like I'm just emo- I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it just resonates with me. But damn, so, it's and good. I will say, so actually, you did tell me about this movie. Uh, your Oscar review. You guys wrote the uh, the preview for the Oscars, and I don't know if you guys have been keeping that updated on the barnburner.com, uh, but when I read that and you said Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse was the best movie of the year, I was like, why have I not seen this? So I texted you and I said, I referred to my then favorite animated movie, big hero six and asked you if it was better. And you basically told me to never ask questions like that again and go (laughs) see Spider-Man. So I did. And now I've got a new uh, best animated superhero movie. Yeah, it's something else, uh, and, and you know, and, and so it's obvious this movie is, is good. Everyone knows it. I mean, the whore in the street corner knows it. Your grandmother knows it. Rotten Tomatoes knows it. It's no surprise, but I didn't expect it to be as funny and as and as touching, I guess. So let's jump into some of the Wikipedia shitty Wikipedia research that that I figured out and, and sort of wanted to learn more about how this thing got started. Because first of all, how do you walk into like a Sony fucking meeting and go, hey? I know we've like literally shit on the superhero and put out a movie every two years for the past 17 years. But guess what? I got a Spider-Man movie and it's like, Ooh, this time it's going to be animated. And you could just see the Sony execs thinking like, this is going to make us no money. Like who cares about this? There's, there's literally a successful Spider-Man movie that just came out with Tom Holland. And now there's this entire, you know, Avengers universe and everyone's happy with that rendition. So it's not like we're even going to like save the character because it already had been sort of if, uh, by, by a lot of at least fanboys' opinions. So apparently um, in 2014, did you know that people hack Sony's computers? I didn't know that. I'd, yeah, it was uh, when the, the interview came out. They Oh, they, I forgot. It was, okay. It was like yeah. at least, yeah. They, people yeah. thought that North Korea did it. Then they might have. Who knows? For some reason, I didn't even like rectify those two things together. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so Sony was uh, emails leaked between the uh, also uh, PSA don't click on emails from unknown persons or open attachments in emails you're not expecting people. 
Yeah, we at the Barn Burner care about your cybersecurity. So yeah. let this be the uh, the let this be the public service announcement as Brett just gave you. So Amy Pascal, the the chair of Sony Pictures, um, they plan to rejuvenate. Emails leaked, and she says they plan to rejuvenate the Spider-Man franchise by developing an animated comedy film with who other than our boys Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Now, Lord and Miller, the combination these these this this hilarious duo of 30-something-year-old white guys who recently had been canned off of the Han Solo solo movie. Now, they were working on this movie for like five or six months, wrote the script, and were canned from a lot of people think because they were trying to be too improv on set and were allowing scenes to run a little long. They weren't able to keep keep a big production like that going in the concise way that Lucasfilm wanted. So then Lucasfilm scrapped him, brought in Ron Howard, and then we ended up with Solo, which is a good movie. Uh, a lot of people speculate that the best parts of Solo were the Lord Miller scenes, and they and people have long tried to Frankenstein piece together what was them and what was Ron Howard and, and all of that. So I find that fascinating. Uh, but they are responsible for, as Brett says, 21 Jump Street, the Lego movie, uh, Last Man on Earth. They've directed some Brooklyn Nine-Nine. They got their start in animation. Uh, the Clone Academy, I think, was their first show they put out, which I've never seen, but I know it has a cult sort of Rick and Morty type following from the early 2000s. But they're just this writing, directing pair who were wildly innovative and have a brand of humor that, that it, you know, I mean, really resonates. This movie reminded me of the Lego movie in the sense that it was shockingly good. Like it, it, the Lego movie came out and I was like, that looks like stupid as shit. Exactly. How I felt about this, but I didn't realize like, the, the voice actors involved and the sense of humor and what sort of the, what they went for. So the, these guys for sure came on to the scene with, with uh, 21 jump street and Lego movie. So what did you know about these guys? I, I, for some reason, I didn't know they were involved with this at all. Had I known that I kind of have season tickets to these guys, like whatever they do, I go see because they are clearly talented and their sense of humor vibes with mine. So what, you know, are you Lord Miller fan? Do you know anything about them? I mean, what, what's your I am, deal? I am once they became yeah conscious, like once I became conscious, like, uh lego movie was awesome i love that movie um and then 21 jump street and 22 jump street um once i went back and realized that it was them who were responsible for that um last man on earth like i never got into that series so i guess maybe not in long form uh what they do but yeah i mean going forward if i see lord miller on it uh i'll be intrigued and i will not wait two months to see any animated features that has either of their names on them. Yeah. And it seems like Phil Lord had, or I'm sorry, Phil Miller had uh, more to do with this, uh, with this one. I mean, the other guy didn't, didn't as much collaborate. It seems like, um, but I guess they're, they're constantly known as the tandem. So three directors, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. And animated movies can do that. I don't know what, is there some sort of like, DJ directors guild exception for animated movies. Um, Lord uh, described the directors as, as such Ramsey. Uh, Peter Ramsey is the action guy. Rothman, Rodney Rothman being the comedy guy. And then Parachetti as the poet. So he actually co-wrote the script Lord did with Rodney Rothman um, from a, from a story that Lord had conceived. So this is the first movie where Chris Miller, his writing partner, his longtime writing partner and sort of his guy that came up in the industry with him, didn't collaborate with him. So I thought that was interesting and wondered, wondered personally why that was uh, or if uh, Chris Miller was involved with something else and just got tied up and the scheduling didn't work. Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Is he working on that? 
No, I have no idea. But I, if it happens, then you heard it here first. <laughs> we're breaking fake news that might actually occur. And if it is, then I we're going to wait. PD and Phil Miller are busy heads down on Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Hey, as long as they're not posting things like 10 years ago that I can get mad about, I'm in. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> uh, so I, I thought this was interesting that with his role as Peter Parker, Chris Pine. So in, in, in this movie, the world that we're in, the universe that we're in, there's a character named Miles Morales. And then there's an existing Spider-Man who's like blonde and perfect. Chris Pine voices him. Uh, spoiler, he dies. Uh, the Kingpin kills him very soon in the movie, setting up. Um, our miles to become the new Spider-Man in that particular universe. But Chris Pine voices that he's the fourth Chris to play a Marvel hero. Chris Evans, obviously as the human torch. And as we know him now, Captain America, Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Chris Pratt as star Lord, as the ringer likes to call it the Chris Wars Four extremely handsome guys that are all charismatic. They're all white males and they all play superheroes. Who do you like the most of these four Chris's? Uh, Chris Pratt until, uh, Avengers, um, Infinity War, and um, after that, I hate him. And then Chris Hemsworth, Hemsworth has to replace him. I man, I hated Chris Evans as Johnny Storm, and I didn't like that they recast him as Captain America. But now, like, I'm like, oh, okay, that's Captain America. He's good. Um, he's Captain America. Yeah, he yeah. he fits it. He's I can't. I have no complaints anymore. But I did it first. Um, but Hemsworth is he's the only one that hasn't messed up, I guess, in my mind. Um, and Chris Pine, like, I don't know if he's a good actor. I loved him. I like, I hate him sometimes, and I love him sometimes. Like, oh, he's good. And uh, let's talk about another in the can episode that we both did. I mean, <laughs> let, let's not forget a Hell or High Water episode that was yeah. uh, from yesteryear. Mm-hmm. I and, and even in that, like, I don't. I think I said that I didn't like him that much, but there's a couple scenes where I think he does an amazing job, but just in a couple scenes, and like that's how I feel like Star Trek, the the first reboot. The second and third one, I was like, whatever. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'll just stop talking right now. Okay. Well, I'll start talking <laughs> to cover up for you stopping talking. Perfect. Okay. So, so I'm, uh, I, I'm, I, I was high on Chris Pratt for a long time. We need I feel another like he's, Chris. He's lost a lot of uh, – Chris Pratt has lost a lot of, of stock, Wait. man, I feel like. Oh, stock. Okay, yeah. He's no, not wait. He's kind of gaining some again. I feel, he's been on this weird like. I go to church and I'm Republican kick recently, which is fine. <laughs> like, but but like, it's just like you know. He's I don't one know. Sandwich, I, one sandwich away from fat. He is, as, he, as Rocket he, would say. As Rocket would say, he fucked up the Thanos thing, which obviously wasn't Chris Pratt in real life, and I'm definitely going to blame him anyway. But Hemsworth, oh, man, Hemsworth. Every time he does something else, he surprises me, and and so for that, I fucking love it. He was in this movie called uh, Bad Times, The El Royale, which did you see that? Like, I haven't yet. Like, I need to see it. I remember like, I, exactly. saw Hotel, I saw Hotel Artemis instead of that one, which well, you need to see that one. So we'll okay. swap. Okay. I, I bought Bad Times, The El Royale because I love Drew Goddard, the director, as you should too because he's a big like uh, – I think he was involved with uh, – what's his face? Joss Whedon, like their boys. Oh. Uh, he did uh, Cabin, at the Wo- Cabin in the Woods. And so th- this movie is yeah. kind of like a, a very noir um, – kind of a tarantino-esque type movie but hemsworth plays like this charles manson type character and and it's awesome like he's just like every time he's on screen you're like just wondering what he's going to do and he gets a chance to sort of be a really weird character he, he is he's almost too handsome sometimes like you're just like damn this guy's like just like built in a laboratory but um but yeah i know he's really good so i'm a big hemsworth guy pine though man hell or hot water he's really good he's he's in the show now on tnt that i haven't seen but the previews make it look good so uh I'm, i'll ride for pine 
But I think I got to go with Hemsworth there. So moving on, I rode the pine too much in high school. I, I'm, I'm so you're triggered by you're triggered by a guy with the last name Pine. Yeah, like you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put me on the starting team. I want the All Stars. <laughs> I'm gonna Let ignore how dumb that pun was. Like I, I just, uh, you, you could not write the script for Spider Man into the Spider Verse, <laughs> or maybe you could. You could, you could collaborate and have like one or two jokes in there. I feel like. Yeah, they'll let me. They'll put my drawing up on the fridge occasionally. Okay, okay low key, best line in the movie is during the scene where they're going and trying to break into that computer lab and steal the hard drive. And Peter B. Parker voiced deliciously by Jake Johnson, who I think has been, was born. And if you believe in a God, I think he was, he was conceived, put it in a woman's womb, birthed into this world, found his way into the entertainment industry, despite being kind of a goofy white guy. And then brought to this point to voice this animated character, because at this point, his life is complete. This is it. Like, Are you is he your most buckets? Because he's my most buckets, and you basically just uh, superseded anything that I could have possibly said as to. Don't as step to on most buckets. We're not in categories yet. <laughs> well, you just did. No, no, I didn't All step. Right. I'm just saying. I'm just doing a little Jake Johnson bit. I'm just you get. I'm just t- shooting some threes on Jake Johnson right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so, I can get behind that. You know why? I'll tell you later. Okay. Good. Don't step on categories. We'll get yeah. there later. All right. So uh, he. So Jake Johnson, incredible, incredible voice work. He is telling Miles like the plan, uh, how they're going to break in. He's like narrating it as it, and so he's like, "Step one, we're going to do this. Step two, blah blah blah." One of the steps, like step three, is like we're going to find the scientist and ask him whatever, and then like ask him where the hard drive is. And Miles goes, "Actually, it's a she." And he goes, "Step four, examine my personal biases." Yeah. <laughs> and it just like keeps going. I mean, I didn't notice that till the second time seeing it, and I, like it, I was laughed out loud in the movie theater. But it is so funny, man. This movie yeah. is like insanely funny. And I just I just love that scene. I don't know why I thought about that, but I just I, like uh, it's full I of low-key moments. Like that. I could have those quotes in my head like like you do. But I caught that the first time, and you're right. It was so funny. Right. Uh that whole scene, well, categories. Yeah, just be careful, dude. All right. So Lord and Miller wanted the film to feel like you walked inside of a comic book. And we're excited to tell the story in a way that live action films could not. This movie is trippy, man. Like there is like animation is is like something you've never seen before. It's like a combination of a Pixar character, like a, a computerly a computer generated character inside of like cell shaded graphics. And there's a lot of like crazy, you know, w- when they're merging dimensions, there's a lot of like wild animation. I thought one thing that was really cool was like when there was wet streets, it looked like a real street, but then there were animated characters on it. I, it was a a very uniquely animated movie. I know that's like a real stereotypical thing to say when you talk about animated movies, but I don't know if I'd seen one animated like this. Have, have you like, I, nothing comes to mind. Uh, no, nothing immediately. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It is a beautifully drawn movie and the, they use a lot of different techniques and I, that was their intention. Like they wanted to, to do it in a way that hadn't been seen before. So I think they achieved that goal. They, they did like they had him prepare like 10 to 12 seconds in a sizzle reel. Sony did to show what it would look like. And then the second that they played it to the execs, they were like, all right, like here's fucking, you know, $50 million or whatever you need to get these voice actors. And just, yeah. I need you to make this movie, which by the way, movie costs like 50 has now made about three fifty. So, you know, huge financial success. Not enough. Uh, not, not enough. It wasn't not seen by enough people. It's gotten a weird kind of re-release with the Oscars. Like yeah. it's still around. People can still see it. I think, this is going to be one that's like a very much, I think, a, a cult movie in addition to the fact it did make money. It did well. But I think this is one you, you buy on Blu-ray 
look great on a big widescreen, you know, HD TV and Blu-ray or whatever. Playing in the background and of Best Buy for years. It will be. It really will be. And every kid will stop and say, what's that? And then the parents will have to buy it for them. Uh, I thought this was good. I've read this review. Katie Walsh of the Tribune News Service um, said that the quote, this film is unlike any other superhero or animated film has come before. It's like watching a comic book come to life. The film firmly exists in a post-Deadpool environment where the only fresh way to into to turn a century-old superhero is to skewer the tropes, make fun of itself, make fun of the merchandising, and acknowledge the cultural significance of it in a cheeky and self-reflective manner. So she said this too. It was the, it was a perfect combination, the perfect balance of self-aware and sweet. And I thought that that was the case. Like it, it knew the moments in which to really like tone down the jokes, and then the real like intense, sad moments and meaningful character moments play out. And often back to back, there's one point where then like Miles' dorm room and it's like they're all in there. And at one point the spider spider ham says like, do animals talk in this dimension? Like, and, and like, there's that bit, but then right after that, you have the scene with miles and his father. Well, he gets kicked off the team by Peter B Parker. And that's it. He's like, and that's, so you want to talk about good lines. That's when he's like talking about how, how will I know when I'm ready to be Spider-Man? And he says, you won't. And like chills, dude. I mean, that's that's literally the best line. There, There was the, it's the best Spider-Man movie, man. Like that's all there is to it. Like, and yeah. anyone that doesn't think so can fuck off. Cause like the, it, it just perfectly captures the spirit of all the comics while also being laugh out loud, funny. I mean, and how many people can do it. that? Yeah. And the, um, the voice actors killed it. They did. I mean, and if we want to talk about just the, who's who the voice acting actors, this movie is like a who's who of like, who like Hollywood uh, royalty right now, man. Like, I don't know much about Shamik Moore voicing Miles Morales, but excellent job. Vardy sung Jake Johnson's praise as Peter B. Parker. Hallie Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy, uh, of course, was in the True Grit movie, you know, nominated for an uh, Oscar. Um, now she's she's in uh, that new Bumblebee movie, but she's, you know, a, a good actress. Mahershala Ali as Uncle Aaron. I mean, and and uh, Brian Tyree Marshall Henry. Mahershala. Yeah, crushing it. And Brian Tyree Henry, who's like the new dark, I mean, everything he's in turns to fucking gold. He's in Widows. He's the villain in that. Excellent. He Beale was Street. Beale Street. He was excellent. Like he literally is in Beale Street for 12 minutes Beale's in the best 12 minutes of the movie. Yeah. yeah. He, he's amazing. Lily Tomlin is Aunt May. Fucking John Mulaney, uh, the stand-up comedian as Peter Porker slash Spider-Ham. Nicholas Cage, Leif Schreiber, who does a lot of, a lot of voice work. Our guy Sabretooth here coming in doing yeah. a kingpin. Chris Pine. I mean, it, the voice cast is amazing and they let themselves kind of come across and really like, it's not just, Hey, come into the studio for like two days and read these, read these lines. It, it, it it's a really good voice acting and it, it comes across really believable. Um, and I don't know, like I, you can tell when someone's mailing it in coming in and getting a million bucks to come read, read a script into a microphone, but the cast here was good. Do you have anything to say about the cast that hasn't been said? No, I'm going to save it for, uh, for buckets and uh six man that was me testing you to see if you're going to step on categories good job moving into awards spider-man into the spider-verse won best animated feature film at the 76th golden globe award won the same award at the 24th critics choice awards it also won seven annie awards including best animated picture and now it's a lead all those as a result are leading indicators for the fact it's nominated for Best Animated Movie at the Oscars, so a lot of people think it will likely win. It is going up against Incredibles 2, Isle of Dogs, Mirai, Ralph Breaks the Internet. I have seen exactly one of those movies, Incredibles 2. Not a big Incredibles guy. Like I, I, It was never a part of him. I watched it as a kid, and it was good. 
but a lot of people hold that movie like, to a really ridiculously high standard mm-hmm. and like like it's the best Pixar movie. I just never felt that way about it, but I know that there's like diehards. I don't um, think we were young enough for it to capture it. Like we were right at that point where we're, it was where, too like, cool. Movies like that were too cool. We were too cool for those movies. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like it's like we weren't old enough to appreciate the adult humor, how intelligent those movies can be. But we were also young enough that we were looking for. Yeah, we were we were too young to be like, oh, this is a well made movie. I was like, trying to watch like Hostel at that point, like fourteen <laughs> years old. Like I was like, I need to see boobs and violence. Like, yeah. uh, so whatever that says about my development, uh, I do not know. But oh, I think we all know. For any psychologist listening, please write in to thebarnchief at gmail.com and analyze uh, how I feel about just things. Have you seen any of these movies? Uh, yeah, Isle of Dogs is the only one that I've seen. Wes and, Anderson, right? Yep. Okay. And it, it's, Fantastic uh, Mr. Fox or Isle of Dogs? Yeah, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox over okay. Isle, Isle of Dogs, although Frances McDormand is a treat in Isle of Dogs. She's always um, a treat. Yeah, well, I, been I, delighted I, didn't, everything. I didn't know that, you know, I didn't know that till three billboards. I didn't know that I wasn't fucking Fargo. I know what Fargo is now, but like fucking blood. Fargo, Fargo wasn't a movie. For oh, me, boy, gonna kick it higher. <laughs> How incredulous is Sam right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take out your decibel measurers <laughs> and follow along. <laughs> if you know how incredulous I am, email me at the barn sheet. <laughs> uh, why'd you write black Panther snubbed again? It was supposed to be some sort of joke. I don't get uh yeah how about the opening animated sequence of describing how wakanda was formed and vibranium came to rule the planet that's not the best animated movie of the year wait a minute in harry potter deathly Hallows one oh, did, the they deathly do, Hallows, when yeah, they did they do that did they do that did, was that nominated for like best animated short i don't no, remember of course not i was kind of making a joke but at the same time what an incredible way to open a movie with black panther that was good shout out black panther uh it's nominated for best picture so good job for them and much deserved. So I got to, you know, I, I write in here I, that I have to air my grievances now. I wrote an article on the barn burner, the hyphen barnburner.com about the best movies we saw this year that we felt were snubbed. And I, I, I hate this category because it automatically means that, that none of these movies will ever win best picture. Like I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm pretty confident that little to no animated movies have ever been nominated for best picture because they carve this category out to sort of like siphon them into uh, all the Pixar movies every year, like are in this category and they usually win, but it's almost like a, Oh, good job, Pixar. Like we created a category. <clears> just for you. I'm going to go ahead and hit you with some facts here. Okay. A quick Google search and no, I'm not sponsored by them. Uh, Beauty and the Beast was the first animated film ever nominated for best picture. Of course that was prior to the, category being in existence but okay. up and toy story 3 also uh received best picture nominations once they expanded from 5 to 10 so up and toy story 3 are actually two fantastic fucking animated movies and they definitely deserve that as well you're talking up. about an animated movie that made me cry guess what i'm gonna say uh neither of those probably some stupid reversal joke here <laughs> no no toy story Hotel 3 transylvania sure. toy story 3 <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, that you know, you're talking about the incinerator part when they yeah, all hold hands and resign themselves to death, and it's like, oh, is this a kid's movie? Is that the part? Yeah. yeah. And, oh. and, you know, they did the, oh, they're going to die. Oh, this would be the perfect way for them to go out, but you'd still be sad. And then they reversed it, and it wasn't horrible. Don't get me started on The Last Jedi. Let me also say that they probably reversed that so they could then release Toy Story 4 and make another fucking billion dollars off all of our dumbasses later. Did you see the Super Bowl uh, advertisement for Toy Story 4? I did. Okay. That's all I got. I saw it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did see it. Everybody, we saw it. Everyone, you heard it here first. We saw the Super Bowl spot. 
And how crazy okay. would it have been if the mountain came in and crushed Woody's skull and uh, pierced his eyes out with his thumbs? I know what you're doing here. You're making a Star Trek reference. Very specific. <laughs> no, no, no. You catch Here's me every thing. time. Here's the thing. Uh, Woody definitely liked to bang both dudes and women. So I think he kind of fits into that. If we if we turn the Toy Story characters into Game of Thrones equivalents, Woody would definitely be him. Bo Peep not yeah, come around. The Red Viper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, this movie deserves the Best Picture nomination. It is better than any Best Picture. Like, it's better than fucking Vice. It's better than The Favorite. It's better than, I mean, just insert all of the Best Pictures. Better than, I thought it was better than Black Panther. Like, uh, and... Well, why don't you name some of those that are actually in contention for Best Picture? Are you just trying to get it into the category, or are you trying to say that it should win Best Picture? I'm trying to get it nominated. Okay. okay. Uh, I, it would never win, but, like, it deserves to be recognized. That's, as that's a, that law school strategy. You only need to be in the bottom 25% of, of uh, admitted students, right? I don't know about that. Any school you want. but I don't know what that is. <laughs> I think you're I making it up right I've now. I've never gone to law school. Mm. Well, that's, that's a good idea. Hey, don't go to law school if you're listening to this. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm trying to think. I've seen all these movies, all these these Best Picture nominees this year. I always try to go see them all. And I've seen Beale Street. Um, and uh, they're, they're good. I mean, they're good. This year is kind of a little, a little bit of a down year. But, like, this movie is made a lot of money. Um, it, it, it hits all of the elements that, that you need in, a, in an Oscar movie in terms of it's, it's critically acclaimed. It's popular. Uh, it has a pre- some prestige behind it with Lord and Miller, who are who are known, you know, kind of in the directing community, and then and sort of like have been around for a while, so they're not like fresh on the scene. It, it, it's diverse. I mean, it's it's like the main character is is both. I think he's what Afro Puerto Rican. I think he's African American and, and half Puerto Rican. Um, it it does a good job about showing a, a diverse New York City. Uh, without being too in your face about it, I thought like it was like, hey, this is how things are. Like, and but it was, it felt real, and it felt like these were actual people like existing in the world, and and I really like that aspect of it. So it was like, hey, uh, you know, now you don't have to be a white male to look at a superhero and think, oh, well, I could be that guy. He looks like you know me. You know, it's like there's an entire generation now of kids that can see this and be hyped that they could be Spider Man, which is cool. And that and, was uh, the reason Brian Tyree Henry joined. I don't know if you had that in the outline. No, I didn't. He, he said, he said, he's, he's like, I'm, it was mostly, he was hesitant to play the father of a teenager because he's not that old. But when he heard it would be the first black portrayal of Spider-Man, he'd be like, he was like, hell yeah, I'm going to be in this movie. And he's great. I mean, you know, so I, I that's all I got to say. I think it's, it's stupid that it just gets shuffled away into this baby brother category purely because it's animated. And I don't know. Like I mean, it could it could bump out literally like eight of the ten nominations? It's because it's 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 a way better movie. And honestly, for those listening that aren't big Oscar fans, just don't watch any of those and go just go see this movie. Like uh, it, it's because this one has more heart and humor than most of those movies combined. So that's that's my uh, I'm done. It's my rant, uh, and that's what I got for my grievances. Soundtrack. You've been listening to it. Tell me about it. What do you think? Oh, I love it. Um, it has replaced the Black Panther soundtrack and my just go-to. I need to hear a couple songs at any time, any given time. Um, if I could if I could intersperse those two soundtracks together through some magical means of like forming a, a list of tracks to play and then have them at my fingertips, uh, that would make my 2019. I mean, then I would know that the future is now. Um, so well, I'll work on that. You'll I'll, still wait. That's probably 2025 or so yeah, when that comes around. I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, but yeah, it's good. It's damn good. So you like you like Sunflower, the Post Malone Sway Lee song. No, you tell me if you like it. You have it in all caps here. I when I first heard the song, I was like, ooh, I don't know about this. This is like just the, the classic example of a top 40 song that's created purely to make kids buy and listen to. That no but, thought went into it, but some sick beats and a beautiful voice. You're right, 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 right. Yeah, sick beats and a beautiful voice is also what I was called in junior <laughs> high. So uh I will say that. In the movie, they use it really creatively because, like, it it really informs the character of Miles, who we see first of all with Sony headphones on, you know, right before school, not you know, not ready, probably like lollygagging around. He's like doing the whole thing. We're like, like where you don't know the words but you know the melody, and it's like we've all done that. And they 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 have it at the beginning. They pay it off, like when it becomes how he relaxes (laughs) at the end. He does it. I mean, it's just first of all, it's great fucking writing. And I mean, it, it, like I, I, that made the song almost like pop for me. And so now when I hear it, I think about those scenes and it makes my heart warm. Yeah. And so then I like it now. So really that's the soundtrack just kind of flashes you to different parts of this movie in that way. So, you know, it's good. And certainly one we're checking out, it, there's a lot of hip hop. Um, there's a lot of like techno almost like, I mean, I want to say tech, not true techno, but you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of like interspersement between action sound effects and the music, like, when uh you know spoiler uncle aaron is one of the villains in the movie turns out to be like one of those kingsman's or kingpin's henchmen like when he's chasing miles there's like these screeching sounds and like almost like weird dj sound it has biggie in there uh which i was about i mean i don't know if i've seen a kids movie feature heavily featured that at one point but i don't know man it, all the songs really fit where you are and make you feel I do the have way to say, so biggie the biggie song was when miles visits his uncle aaron in his apartment the first time right and i saw that apartment and i was like that's that's kind of like chief's place so is is chief secretly uh a henchman at nights i haven't I, seen any any cool uh cool tech powered suits sitting around your apartment hmm. but uh but as far as the overall vibe i'm kind of wondering now you have to, you should have to wonder that. The answer is no. I will, however, be out of town for the next four you days. You'll be able to reach me. Shave your head, just like Uncle Aaron. And, yeah, and, uh, yeah. So I'm really wondering here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like I said, you won't be able to reach me for the next week. I won't even answer my cell phone. Um, but then I'll be back and like around. So uh, just don't worry where I am for that week. Down by the docks. Just kidding. All right. Categories. Categories. It's finally time. Most buckets, best acted. Give me your Jake Johnson speech okay, well, right on. now. I'm going to go back to the soundtrack since I don't feel I don't feel complete yet. But, uh, okay, go. When he does figure out that he's Spider-Man, how to be Spider-Man, uh, and he drops from the building, and what's up, Danger's playing in the background, and he's storing across the city. Uh, previous to that point, the most hype scene I'd seen in a Marvel movie uh, was when Thor returns in Infinity War. And you hear the music swell, the victory music, and Swor- Thor flies in on Bifrost with Stormbreaker and just unleashes hell. And uh, Mark Ruffalo, you guys are so screwed. Like, that was the most epic moment that I've seen in MCU so far. And I know this is not in the MCU, but uh, What's Up Danger got me more than that scene. So, uh, yeah, I'm I mean, the, give it props. The music always kind of it informs the scene for sure. And that, that was a great scene. And, um, I was super hype in that scene. Like it, 
you know, when you all, all these movies have those moments where the superhero finally becomes a superhero, and you're like, hell yeah! But this one, I don't know, felt a little more like you know, he's wearing his kick, he's got the Air Jordans on, you know, he's got like his own graffiti design spider suit. You're like, hell yeah, this kid's finally getting it. I don't know, I I was so hyped, dude, and I'm literally 29 years old. Like I, I, I can't fathom what it would feel like to be 12 seeing this movie. Like, can you imagine I, that? Like I said, I say that time and time again. That's my only regret that, it, that this movie didn't come out, you know, 17 years ago. But alas, I got. To, I guess I got the Tobey Maguire movies to to enjoy at, the, at that age. Uh, most buckets, Jake Johnson. Go ahead, guy. I've already kind of uh, given mine. Well, that's yeah. He's my he's my most buckets as well. Um, I did not pick up on the voice actor when I was watching the first, like Chris Pine. As soon as I heard him open his mouth, I was like, Oh, that's Chris Pine. Um, did it with a couple other actors, Jake Johnson. I was like the whole time, like, I didn't even think about it too hard. I was just like, Oh, I was in the movie with him. I wasn't like trying to figure out who he was or what else I'd seen him in. Uh, and then I had to look it up afterwards who the voice actor was. And I was like, Oh, I know Jake Johnson. Um, I, yeah, he, he crushed it. I mean, it, everything about it, he crushed it. So of course he plays I Peter. Was, Go ahead. I was on the edge of hating the character, like at first, like just on the edge to where you're like, no, oh, what a yeah, like you just want to, but you never get there. And then he's just perfection. Like he, it he uh, talking about self referential. He's like, do I want kids <laughs> near the end? Like, <laughs> like yeah, that was why they broke up. And then he's he's coaching. He's he's Miyagiing Miles Morales, and then yeah. he's just like. Do I want kids? Like, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I loved him. I was, yeah. I love the, the move, like the, the sweep the leg and then hold him by the chest like that. And, and he goes and he uses the, don't watch the mouth, watch the hands. Like there's yeah. so many like little, and it all it brings them all back, man. All the setups, yeah. every single little setup is paid off. Like every line, every, I mean, it's it, it fucking it, it's so good. But yeah, he, He's really good. He's really funny. He, he's he's so Peter B. Parker is, is the Peter Parker he plays from a different dimension where he's in his late thirties. He's down in his luck. He's got graying temples. He's got a little paunch, like he's a little out of shape. He's divorced from Mary Jane, his dimension, because he didn't it's, want his, kids. His dimension is the one that we know. I'll say that. Like most comic books, you pick up they're they're either main timeline, which is Earth six sixteen, or they're Ultimates, which is I think sixteen ten. I never got into Ultimate comic books. I don't. I, I never cared for him, but most of the movies and like the animated movies are based on that universe, which Brian Bendis was a big part of. But Peter B. Parker that we know is the one from our universe. And so, but he's, he's just older. So everything that you're saying, like it's the, it's the Spider-Man that we're supposed to be familiar with as an, as a middle-aged man. <laughs> like Right. And, and so he, I mean, honestly, you can identify a lot with this guy. Like, you know, like, you know, you start to feel, you get a little bit disillusioned with, you know, the, the Spider-Man in the world that we are, the, the dimension that we're in with Miles is like the perfect wonder boy, blue eyed, blonde hair, handsome, perfect, still happy relationship, like loves saving the world still. Cause he's like in his twenties. And then this Spider-Man's 15 years later when you realize that you're kind of tired of your job a little bit and maybe the relationship isn't as easy as you thought it once was. And, like you've been kicked a little too many times by the supervillains and you know, whatever. So you kind of like can apply that to like your life a little bit, or maybe that was me just doing that. But I, I like, I had, I gotta say, I identify with Peter B Parker a little more than I care to admit, um, uh, which, which made him that much more of a meaningful character, excellent voice acting. And, and so I agree. Um, so unless you have more on, on our boy, Jake Johnson, we can move to six man slash woman award. 
the character who makes the most with their limited screen time and or vocal work in this instance, who do you give six man or woman award? Uh, I was uh, Peter B. Porker's John Mulaney. So I, I've seen his stand up and I think he's pretty funny, uh, but I knew he was voicing Peter B. Porker and I was like, I'm just not going to like this at all. Like I, I didn't think his voice was good. Uh, like I almost think he has like a noir tint to his voice at all times. Like I, I was like, maybe he should be noir Spider-Man. Uh, but, but he, he won me over. So I'm going to give him the buckets um, just because I wanted to hate him and I couldn't. And he delivered some pretty funny key lines and oh, dude, he's yeah. got very limited screen time, but yeah, he's like, it'll fit in your pocket. <laughs> I, love I don't it. want to give yeah. you my hammer. <laughs> yeah, my mallet. He goes, have the mallet. It, it fits in your pocket. <laughs> like he's like, but it's like an emotional scene. Like yeah. a, that, it, that's what's that's so crazy. To laugh out loud, funny, but it's like you're nearly crying because you have to say yeah. goodbye to this character. I love the. Can you float through the air when you smell a delicious pie? Like yeah. uh, he's basically a Looney Tunes character. Yep. Uh, he is he's Porky Pig in a Spider Man outfit. He like. At one point says, that's all, folks, teary-eyed. And then Jake Johnson, of course, goes, are we allowed to say that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's unbelievably funny and good, just hilarious stuff. It's it's a fucking walking meme. My favorite part about Peter Porker, uh, a.k.a. Spider-Ham, was when they had the overlapping uh, overlapping origin stories mm-hmm. of all three of the new, the Spider-Noir, the anime Spider-Man, uh, Penny Parker, and then Peter Porker. And they're all like saying the same things overlap with each other with the three different panels showing. But instead of every time, like you hear Spider-Man, then you hear a pig, like at the end of it. Cause like he would say the different animal at the end and be like, you'd be like, I was bitten by a radioactive spider. Then you hear spider pig. Like, and it's just like, it's unbelievable stuff. Uh, great character. I liked. Uh, I mean, I did like Brian Tyree Henry as Jefferson Davis, Miles Miles Morales's father, police officer, uh, plays the straight man of the movie. You know, but there's a lot of the reason why you care about what Miles has got going on because he's got this kind of push pull relationship with his father. His father wants him to go to this like prestigious private school. Miles is like, dude, I kind of want to go to this public school. Miles is kind of a cool. He's not as nerdy maybe as some other. You know, he's like liked. You know, he's like the not he's not the most popular kid in school, scene. but. When he when he's walking through the neighborhood through his old school, yeah, he's killing it. Yeah, uh, like everybody knows him, everybody loves him. The purple haired girl says, "We miss you," and he's <laughs> he doesn't get it. He's like, "I'm still around," and he's like, "Wait, you miss me?" Like, <laughs> right, right, like, right. Like he's still figuring it out, but he's obviously super popular at his old school. Yeah. So you know, and so a lot of the emotional scenes are there. I thought Brian Tyree does a really good job, like and with fucking making you care about an animated character. And, and all of his scenes are pretty emotional. So uh, excellent vo- voice voice work, and I, it's one of those things I don't think that would have come across as well with with a different lesser voice actor who might have been there to you know read for the checks. So that, yeah, yeah, uh, excellent work there. Uh, shout out to. Um, Marshall Mar- uh, Ali as well like he was excellent as Uncle Aaron and you know those two characters kind of the yin and the yang to his male role models uh, one you know, cool Uncle Aaron and then like strict dad and, and all of that and you figure out sort of why they had a falling out uh, so that was good stuff and I thought that 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 was excellent and sort of you know Uncle Aaron becomes the the uh, Uncle Ben uh, for Miles you know in his universe he's the one that passes away only it's different because he finds out he's a villain, you know? So Miles' story is kind of a little different than maybe the average Spider-Man story in, in each dimension uh, for that reason. So I thought that was really well done. DiCaprio overacting award. Uh, who do you like for this? 
I need to hear yours because I nothing comes to mind. I I, I think uh, I thought that uh, Lee Schreiber was kind of like doing a ridiculous like bit as Kingpin. I mean, he's good. Mm-hmm. The overacting word doesn't always have to be negative. So everyone works in this movie. There's no one that's distractingly ridiculous, but he's kind of doing this like Brooklyn. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm Kingpin. I'm gonna kill you, Spider Man. No, blah blah blah. I'm gonna I'm gonna rip you apart and all that. And I guess that fits Kingpin. You know, sort of like what he is. Uh, you know, I, I what he's known as, but screen time was limited. Based yeah. On, yeah. And you know, he's, he's based on like a Frank Miller version of Kingpin. So he looks outrageous. Like his, his physical form looks outrageous. Whereas most of the characters look like normal people, but yet the or Kingpin pig. looks like a freaking monster, you know? Uh, so, or pick, yeah, <laughs> pick. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I, I go with that. One. And did you have another one or do you want to move on? Yeah, I don't, I'll just go with that. So, Iso, play what's your favorite scene in this movie? Uh, uh, so, my favorite scene is speaking of callbacks and uh, come full circle, uh, the payoff. Is that what that's called? When it, what do you call it when you, it's set up in the payoff, but what do you call it in a movie where you like it comes around again? The payoff. Mm, no, there's a, there's a better word that you filmists use. Uh, anyway, payoff when they, when they all step off the bus. At near the end of the movie, that <laughs> when they're when they're, I think they're going to Miles' school. They're like trying to get him. I think that's when it was. I man, I wish I'd seen it two or three times. But yeah, they all step off the bus, and it's when Peter's like, "You got to save your legs." At sometimes, so like they take the bus out to the Anarch, oh, Alchemax, Alchemax. I think yeah, it is. that's right. Uh, they take the bus out there at the beginning, and then near the end, like there was no reason to do it. There's no reason to show us how they all got there, but they all just come off the bus. <laughs> uh, so that was my favorite scene. That reminded me of like a, almost like a SpongeBob joke. Like it was like really kind of like non sequitur and kind of pointless, but just, yeah. Like the, the notion that that Peter Parker has this notion of Spider-Man swinging everywhere. And Jake Johnson's character is like, dude, we can't do that. We'd be yeah. tired all the time. And then you think about, yeah, it's probably actually true. Like he probably doesn't do that. Like particularly like if he goes out to the woods. Yeah. Well in homecoming, when he's in the burbs and he shoots his, his thread off and it just goes nowhere in the middle of the park. Right. And so he's, you see him running. Uh, and I think he does the Ferris Bueller style run in homecoming, yeah. but this one, this was way better, a way better, wetter, better way to address the fact that you can't just shoot across the city all the time. Yeah. I, I like for action. I like the stealing of the computer hard drive where you meet the doc Ock, like, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, you realize that the scientists have developed this like thing that merges dimensions is, is actually the you know the Doc Ock in that dimension a female, um, voiced by the awesome uh, Catherine Hahn from Hall. Step Brothers and Parks and Rec, and highly underrated. She's like hilarious, and so she pulls that off with a plum and is very entertaining. And just that whole like planning the plotting when they're in there and he's trying to get he's trying to get Miles how to uh, Peter B. Parker trying to get Miles to let, unstick and just all of that. It's just like a, it's a comedy. It's almost like a buddy cop comedy bit, but then it. I don't know. I fucking loved it. I love the part when a low key funny line is when he's running, like he's invisible and he's running with the monitor and the hard drive and, and Spider-Man, Peter B. Parker's fighting Doc Ock. And at some point he gets thrown back into like where miles is and he grabs the stuff and he throws the monitor. He's like, okay, don't need a monitor. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't and, that. And, and it was just like, a, that was just a funny, like, it, like literally they had him running with both the monitor and the hard drive <laughs> yeah. for like minutes before that. And then they just like, poo poo the monitor like and it's just a and you realize you realize like oh wait yeah he doesn't need that that's stupid yeah, like why do yeah. yeah uh so I, I love his little low-key part I, I like the for emotional resonance the 
Miles' dad, Jefferson, scene when he's outside of Miles' dorm room door after Miles has kicked off the team and he's tied up and can't speak. So his dad comes after Uncle Aaron dies and has a moment where he says, like, hey, look, you're not always going to agree with me. You're not always going to agree with everything I say, but I always have your best interest in mind. And, like, I think you're awesome and you're going to do great things. He essentially tells him you're going to be a great Spider-Man without realizing it because he's telling him he's going to be a great son. And so that, I mean, that was just super awesome and, like, was the kind of tied in all the strings of everything. Like, you're my son and I love you and you're awesome at what you do. Um, and also empowered him to realize that he's able to be this hero, uh, literally a hero, in addition to the hero son to his dad. So, I mean, it was fucking amazing writing and just an amazing line reading by Brian Tyree Henry. Like, it, you, you, these these lines are fine. Like, you can write the most awesome script, but if you don't have someone that can read them, you know, that, like, can can make them come across in a good way, it can seem, like, cheesy, but just good stuff. Yeah. Um, I usually do a scenario-based question on the show called if you could replace any character with Nick Cage, who would you and why? Well, we don't have to here because there's literally Nick Cage is in this movie. He voices a parody of himself, basically a Humphrey Bogart spider Noir character who just talks in like, like super ominous things. Like I'm trying, all of his lines are so ridiculous. There's a bit with a Rubik's cube. That's hilarious where he like always sees his gray and black on the outside. Orange. No <laughs> purple. <laughs> yeah. That would Unnecessary, but very funny. Like, oh, I know. Detract, and it wasn't an extension of a scene that we didn't need. It was, yeah, it was great character development that they just sneak in there at different times, like that yeah. you just don't see in a lot of other movies. Yeah, I mean, it, it was funny, and, and, and uh, everything he said was laugh out loud funny. So, shout out to the Nick Cage. Antithesis to that that I just want to point that what rolls through my head in, in scenes like that. The antithesis is Drax the Destroyer standing there pretending he's invisible. That is five minutes of a movie that. We don't need. You don't like that scene? No, I hate that scene when he's just standing there. And it, and it's like, okay, we get the joke. We get what he's going for, but they draw it out. And then he's like, I'm invisible. And then Mantis walks up. She's like, hi, Drax. And then he walks away. Like, it's just too long. It's unnecessary. Yes, it's funny. If it's like one of those one-second gags, then it could have been funny. Yeah. But they just that's the that's the example of what not to do when you're trying to do those funny little character development random conversations okay it was funny the first time i agree i think that like upon repeat viewing those are one of those scenes where you're like all right let's get through that you know like anymore (laughs) yeah i get that like uh you know whereas like you watch a movie like empire strikes back like all the scenes that are in there for humor still fucking resonate because they still inform the characters so favorite spider-man war one of my favorite scenes uh they go down to aunt may's basement and she's like Madam Web in this universe, you know, who was, who was like, I thought that was awesome how she's not like sad old Aunt May. This is like a badass character. Uh, it was really cool. Voiced by the excellent Lily Tomlin. And they are in the basement. And Spider-Man Noir says, hey, fellas. And Miles Morales says, is he in black and white? Peter B. Parker. Where is that wind coming from? We're in a basement. And then Spider-Man Noir goes, wherever I go, the wind follows. And the wind smells like rain. <laughs> It's so ridiculous. It's just like he just delivers these hard boiled detective lines, like, and then they just move on. They're just like, okay, like we're just we're just gonna move on. Uh, it's fucking hilarious. And as the more I talk about this movie, the more I think about how awesome it is, and I can't wait to see it again. Final thoughts, overall score, one of four barns are on fire. It's four barns are on fire. Get the fuck out of my face. This is the best fire movie, best movie of the year. This should fucking win an Oscar that isn't the best animated picture. And more people need to put some respect on Lord Miller's name for being so delightful in everything they do. And that's what I got. Oh, that's good. 
Uh, I've never really understood the barns on fire and if if it's better to have barns on fire. It's or better not. to have barns on so, fire. So I'm just going to say without that context, no matter how many I give it, that number is multiplied throughout the multiverses. So it has an infinite number of barns on fire. You always got to think of some stupid, cute way to do that. And so for that, I respect. Stupid I'm here for cute. that. Oh, yeah, I got the cute in there. No, I said stupid. Yeah. No, I heard cute. Okay, cool. Uh, rewatchability. I'm buying this on Blu-ray or some, you know, whatever, whatever the newest uh, form is. I literally can't wait. I almost want to have kids so I could eventually show this to them. Like, it, like that, that to me tells me like, this is a, you know, one of the, like if it, I'm willing to lump that in with like, like star wars in terms of sharing to my progeny you know that means like this is a, a meaningful movie to me so yeah. again the you snooty oscar voters with your cups of tea monocles and your trickle down economics <laughs> you just need, fucking watch this movie and tell me this isn't the best movie of the year like what watch the favorite which is good and then watch this movie and tell me which one left you more enthralled and feeling good walking out of it? Like, I guarantee. Grab a bottle of Blue Note bourbon mm. and just open the categories up. Ten movies that deserve it. Agreed. 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 All right. This has been another episode of In the Can, part of the Von Burner Podcast Network. Shout out to Blue Note bourbon. We're here. We're in the Spider-Verse. I can't wait to see the other multiverses. I can't wait to see if there's a sequel to this movie. Sign me up. Sign me up for fucking a billion sequels. And uh, I'm excited to see what Lord Miller do in the future. I can't wait to see the next thing they do. They are really talented and hilarious. And shout out to Sony for finally making something that isn't a big stinker. <laughs> the true hero of, uh, of this whole, whole thing. I can't wait to see who they cast as J. Jonah Jameson and see him roll in and just see all the different wrinkles they add to this familiar universe, which y'all know and love. Shout out Spider-Man, the Webhead. And shout out animation. The question is, is Tom Hardy going to voice Venom in the sequel? Or are they going to have a different actor voicing Venom? I think they're going to have... I'm free. I can clear out my schedule and come do two days. Uh... <laughs> Knock it out in two. Nice. I'll, I'll uh, sell the character. Let's get uh, rid of Oscar Isaac. I'm just going to go ahead and keep throwing my hate on there. I know you're a big fan, but I'm sick of Oscar Isaac. I'm hanging up this podcast now. <laughs> I think you love it.